hey, I heard you guys are hoping to trade for James Harden, and you need a third team to help facilitate it. Well, you got this dude on your roster. You know, he's got this big-ass afro. His name's Jared Allen. Pretty bouncy guy. And we know we're not resigning Andre Drummond. So, um, you know, if you send him our way, we'll help you facilitate the trade. And just for shits and giggles, if you guys throw in Torin Prince, we'll make this shit happen. What do you say? We got a deal? That's how I envision the call to acquire Jared Allen played out. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy Mac, and today I'm here to talk to you about your team's favorite starting center, Jarrett Allen, a player who became a meme after he was quoted as saying the lights were brighter than expected following last season's playoff series loss to the New York Knicks. How do you make sure that next time that isn't the case? Is it as simple as right. No, I, I think it's experience. I think it's a situation that we've been all looking forward to for since we all got to Cleveland. We knew it was going to happen eventually. It was just, uh, even for me, the lights were brighter than expected. A loss in which he was thoroughly outplayed by the likes of Nick center Mitchell Robinson on the offensive glass. And in the wake of that playoff collapse, Jared Allen had to bear the brunt of the criticism that fans and pundits alike were hurling the Cavs way. Well, I, I think it was just a, the physicality. Both of those dudes need to get in the weight room. I was very disappointed in Jared Allen, personally. You know, I've been bragging about him for years. But <laughs> I was disappointed in Jared Allen because, like I said, I've been bragging about him for three or four years. To get manhandled and dominated. And what bothered me about it, you saw it the first game, and they never adjusted. Jared Allen, is he even playing? I mean, what is he doing? In the, in the two games in New York, what did he have, like eight rebounds in the two games? Mitchell Robinson's having his way with him. killed. Hmm. Isaiah Hartenstein, didn't the Cavs cut him or something? Let him leave as a free agent. Yeah, I mean, that guy's killing him. He's a big body. And, and I, but, I, Cavs, but, but Jared's a big body too. Yeah, What's but I, doing I wrote toward the end. From Allen instantly becoming the centerpiece of damn near every possible trade scenario to people questioning both his toughness and love for the game. It just seemed as if there were no reprieve from the constant barrage of negativity that surrounded Allen. And it went on like that all offseason as Allen was rarely heard from, which was probably the best approach to take considering that public perception of Jarrett as a player seemed to be at an all-time low. Still, he was putting in work in an effort to hone his skills and put the playoff loss behind him, and I think I can speak for most Cavs fans when I say that we were all eager to see how Jarrett will look next to some of the new additions to the roster, most notably Max Struess and George Niang, both of which came to the Cavs as noted sharpshooters. I myself have been really, and I mean really curious to see if the two-man game that Struess had developed over time with Miami Heat star Bam Adebayo would aid him in developing an on-court chemistry with Allen and Evan Mobley. But before any of that could happen, Allen was sidelined with a particularly frustrating bone bruise that would cost him all of preseason as well as the team's first five games of the 2023-24 season. A setback after all that offseason work. This left the Cavs in a predicament as they were somewhat undersized heading into the season. And while Cleveland would open the year with a bang by notching a victory over the upstart Brooklyn Nets in a contest which featured Isaac Okoro, yes, Isaac Okoro as the team's starting power forward, they would go on to finish 2-3 and three in the games Jarrett missed to begin the season, clearly missing their defensive anchor in the middle. 
Things haven't been picture perfect in his return, as there have been some frustrating low lights, to say the least, like his December 12th performance against the Orlando Magic, in which he was clearly out of his element from the jump, fouling out in just 15 minutes of action and finishing with a lowly four points, but more often than not, he has made his presence felt out there on the court, be it his rim deterrence or ability to switch out onto the perimeter when needed. Jarrett is always impactful. The best display currently possible in regards to this has been his recent three-game stretch in which he has put up averages of 24.3 points, 17.3 rebounds, and 6.3 assists while completing over 69.8% of his field goal attempts. It's almost as if he has elevated his level of play in back-to-back-to-back games. Against Chicago, Allen was masterful at using the DHO, setting devastating screens to give his teammates enough time to put up shots. He found open cutters. He provided screen assists, and he cleared space on his way to seven assists. And perhaps best of all, he was relentless on the glass, especially the offensive glass, where he secured eight offensive rebounds, generating a team-high eight second-chance points in the process. Now against Dallas, he did the same thing on the glass, pulling down nine offensive rebounds and once again generating eight second-chance points. He would finish with his fifth career 20-plus rebound game and his third as a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers with the other two coming last season. The highlight of the show, however, was when Allen showed his defensive versatility, something that's typically associated with Evan Mobley, by switching out onto the perimeter and defending one of the best players in the world in Luka Doncic who he held to 3 of 13. In fact, on the most important defensive stand of the game, Allen made one of the best reads of that game by leaving Derek Lively Jr. and trapping Luka Doncic. He timed it perfectly, and it took away everything Luka really could have done outside of throwing a last-ditch effort to Seth Curry in hopes that he could hit a game-time triple. Beautiful stuff. And then came his career outing against the Milwaukee Bucks in which Allen became the first player in Cavs history with 15 plus field goals made on 85% from the field. He was damn near unstoppable offensively, unleashing a flurry of hook shots, drives to the basket, and mid-range jumpers on his way to a career best 30 points. And Jarrett once again displayed his court awareness by distributing the basketball to the tune of six assists. And here's the thing. J.A. is not your typical playmaker, right? He won't wow you with flashy dribble penetration and kicking it out onto the perimeter. What he will do, however, is impress you with a well-timed DHO. If he's finishing with a high assist mark, it's likely due to that and his uncanny ability to find cutters along the baseline and shooters out of the short roll. That, however, was only part of what made his outing against Milwaukee so damn awesome. I'll put it like this. If Luka represented a tough perimeter assignment, then Giannis personified a tough interior presence. Different offensive play styles often require different defensive skill sets, and most of the time you have to kind of plug and play, and you got to choose the right type of defender for the job. But with that being the case, every now and then a player is able to blend multiple defensive skills together to create a well-rounded defender that can withstand different types of play styles. That's Jared Allen. And here's the reality. Giannis Antetokounmpo is impossible to simulate practice. The Cavs can't do that, right? You cannot stop that guy. He will burn you no matter what, no matter who you throw at him. Few have his blend of size and speed in the open court. That's just 
the nature of the beast. When he's driving to the basket, you are taking a chance as a defender because he's basically a human locomotive. All you can truly do is contain him and force his teammates to pick up the slack and beat you. One quick look at his stat line from the game will show you exactly that. However, when matched up against Allen, Giannis often had his work cut out for him. He will be credited as 8 of 14 from the field in that 1v1 matchup, but trust me, even in his makes, Giannis had to work for his. There were no easy baskets. The other problem that often surfaces when playing the Bucks is fouls. Giannis will draw his fair share of foul calls, and that within itself is a tough thing to navigate. He drew six total on the night, but I thought Allen did a pretty swell job on him in that regard. Both of his personals came against Giannis, and I'll let you guys decide whether or not they should have been called. Me, personally, I thought they were petty. While his career night didn't end in a victory, Jared Allen has a ton to be proud of. Make no mistake, he's not only looked like the all-star he was during the 2021-22 season, he straight up looked like an MVP caliber player. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's definitely looked like he's in that MVP territory over this three-game stretch. The numbers that he has been putting up look like they are coming directly out of a 2022 Nikola Jokic box score stat sheet. No kidding. And here's something that many people are starting to wonder about. Jared Allen has averaged 15 and a half points, 10.7 rebounds, and three and a half assists in 11 games without Evan Mobley this season, as opposed to the 13.4 points, 8.3 rebounds, and 2.3 assists in the 16 games with Evan Mobley this season. He's clearly operating a little differently without Mobley in the lineup. And to me, it simply boils down to offensive spacing, right? Dean Wade has drawn the start in each of the 11 games since Evan Mobley went down. And in these games, Wade is completing a blazing 41.1% from three-point distance to go along with a very good volume to boot as he is knocking down 2.1 made triples in that stretch. And to take it a step further, Wade's 23 made triples during that 11-game span is the second-highest total on the team to Max Struess's 29. To put things into further perspective for you, Mobley made just 22 all last season, and his current career high in total threes made in either of his first two seasons was 23. Yes, you heard that right. Wade has made more threes in his last 11 games than Mobley did all of last season, and he's already tied Mobley's career high. Now, let me say this. Dean Wade should never replace, and I mean never replace, a healthy Evan Mobley in the starting lineup. So get that out of your head if you're thinking it. Evan is too valuable a defender and is a burgeoning offensive talent when actually allowed to operate as an offensive hub. Wade does, however, provide the Cavs with a great change of pace, kind of a change up when they need to provide the rest of the starting unit with more spacing without sacrificing too much defense, the same way you might by going from Mobley to, say, George Nye. Essentially, what Wade and Allen have done during the absence of Mobley is provide a small, if you know, kind of small sample size, right? But a small glimpse of what life with just one true big out on the floor could look like. The lane isn't nearly as prone to getting clogged, a defense that still manages to stifle, and an offense that may in fact flow a little more soundly at times. If nothing else, these last few games haven't felt like a reinvention of Jared Allen's game, but rather a reintroduction to it courtesy of actually getting him involved. 
The Cavs are now 6-2 this season and 55-33 and 33 overall in the Jared Allen era when Allen has attempted 10 or more field goals. He may not be their best player, but rest assured, he may be one of their two or three most important. Allen has had high-level stretches of basketball in the past. For instance, from February 6th to February 11th of the 2023 calendar year last season, right? For anyone who might be confused, he averaged 21.5 points, 11.3 boards, and two assists, but rarely, if ever, has he displayed this level of such well-rounded basketball. And at the end of the day, the questions surrounding his long-term fit with the Cavs hasn't subsided, and they likely won't. So we get to see an extended look at the starting five of Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Max Struess, Evan Mobley, and Allen, right? But with that being said, the Texas product has been a bright light, right, in unexpected ways for Cleveland this season. Now, I am very, very interested to see what 2024 holds for Jared Allen, and I hope you guys are too. At the end of the day, I'm not quite sure what to make of this. Jared Allen clearly looks like an all-star caliber big man, right? We do not question that. He has the capability. I think the problem has always been just how to have this man function when the team is at full strength, right? And not just have him kind of standing in the paint down there waiting for a possible lob or just to run the floor. And this is the thing, right? We we don't ask Jared Allen. When I say we, I don't really mean myself, obviously, right? I mean, the Cavaliers don't ask Jared Allen, but to do so many things, usually at full strength, run the floor. Like I said, catch lobs, play defense, protect the rim. That's typically all they ask of Jared Allen and the shot attempts, they'll come and go, right? You're not going to see 10 plus uh, field goal attempts every single game from him. That's just the reality of playing with so many capable offensive talents. When you're talking about Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Max Struess joining, uh, you know, joining the ship and whatnot. Evan Mobley still developing as an offensive talent. They're all going to get touches ahead of Jared Allen. So that kind of leaves him as the fifth starter. Last season, it was Ascocoro for many stretches where you would see him get maybe four or five field goal attempts a game. This year, it's Jared Allen because everybody around him is really higher in the hierarchy or in the pecking order, right? Max Drew spaces the floor. Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are excellent, are, uh, excellent isolation scorers. And then Evan Mobley, again, still developing as an offensive talent, has a higher degree of skill from an offensive standpoint and can do more things than Jared. Um, so that kind of leaves him as the odd man out most of the time. And don't get me wrong, this stretch has shown you that you can get away with certain lineups where you feature Jared Allen more. And I hope that they honestly continue to lean into that. Jared Allen is 9 of 16 or 56.3% in the mid-range and is 22 of 37 on jump shots. That's something that I've seen more and more from him this season. And honestly, I hope that they continue to allow him to do more of. And some of that is on Jared himself, right? When he receives the ball uh, in that mid-range area or out of the short roll, something like that, and he feels he has a favorable matchup, I really hope he continues to do that because if you can't space the floor from the perimeter, right, the next best thing for him to unclog the paint may be the mid-range area. And for him, I think the added spacing, and this kind of applies to Evan Mobley as well, right? Having the added spacing and gravity that Max Struess is out there generating, it helps things. It opens the floor up. And, uh, you know, time will tell just how impactful the addition of Struess ultimately ends up being come, you know, 
the playoff or the postseason time. But for now, I'm enjoying the impact and effect that it's had on Jared Allen. So, you know, we'll see. Go Cavs.